Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat stand-up here on this gorgeous, gorgeous Monday, December 19th, 2022. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Hurley. My man, how you doing? It's still a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, wow. I've been up since four working on stories. It's and and you know for uh for, for what should have been a chill day, Stu, we have a lot of great stories lined up, and we appreciate you guys ch- tuning in with us here on this Monday morning. We hope you guys had a great weekend. As I said, we have an absolutely packed show. We're going to start off with the EU talking about a pivotal carbon market deal that they reached an agreement on, and what that really is going to mean for the whole idea of 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 carbon emissions management and and I think what well, as we'll see it's 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 going to be a little it's a little bit spicier than than you might think. We'll next move over to China, talk about Beijing's covid zero response and if it's here to say what does that mean? Doesn't look like it's here to stay, so it's really a question of as China demand goes, so will oil prices at least in the long term. We'll cover briefly some of the world's key metrics comparative around the world, so we'll cover different countries and their populations, how they compare. We'll specifically talk about fuel and CO2 emissions. I think there's some very interesting, interesting little nuggets that Stu will talk about. And then we were remiss if we didn't talk about global coal demand. EIA released their coal 2022. It was and admitted that they will have the highest coal demand of all time. It was actually predicted a few years ago. We'll cover all of what that means really going forward for the energy market. And then finally, we'll talk about LNG in Europe. Um, looks like Qatar, Qatar is getting ready to roll out a huge LNG facility, and that's where the significant new demand or new supply will come from. Not much going on in the crude oil markets for me. We've got oil sitting at about $75. Um, I think there's some long-term factors that what we'll cover that I think we'll do. Um, 
natural gas settles at 660 and, and is in, um, on Friday and, and we'll see where prices go. Again, we're, we're waiting on some weather model. We will talk a little bit about some of the CapEx numbers that are getting spent in the Permian. I mean, big oil is spending huge, huge bucks to roll out big Permian Basin infrastructure projects. We'll talk about all that in a bag of chips, guys. But first, check us out at the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. I, it's not hyperbole. It's the best website you can visit for all of your energy news. Stu does a great job of curating and making sure that the, the critical stories for the entire global energy market there. And as if you're a listener of the show for any time period, you know how all of the stories weave together to form really a clear energy narrative. And, and Stu does a great job of that. So, but enough of the pleasantries, Stu, where'd you like to begin today's show? Hey, let's uh, start at the EU. And, you know, Everybody knows that I think we ought to just get to carbon net zero if that's what we need. Uh, We need to be stewards of the earth and be good as far as uh, the environment goes. But I'm not a fan of pivotal carbon. The title, Michael, is EU reaches agreement on pivotal carbon market deal. You know what I think carbon markets are? A scam. And and the reason uh, there's a quote in there from Marion, and I'm going to butcher her name, Jerika, uh, the agreement will allow us to meet climate objectives within the main sectors of the economy while making sure the most vulnerable citizens and micro enterprises are effectively supported in the climate transition. Um, the EU trading system will allow people to buy free allowances to cover their carbon emissions. Shouldn't, that's like when you do something bad and you go offer them a candy bar and then you can go do something bad again. Do you give them another candy bar or have you learned your lesson? Michael, uh, I'm not a fan of just, why don't we fix the problem? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be honest about what, what what these type of markets are like what these type of like credit markets are we can call it carbon markets um right in the united states if you're familiar the term is cap and trade so the idea is we set a total cap on the amount of emissions emissions we're going to have and then we're going to divvy up individual credits based upon those emissions hand them out accordingly to some sort of schedule or program and then allow the market to trade them and allow this market to come and say okay we can we're only allowing a million emissions whatever the units of emissions are a million tons of co2 we're going to give out 100,000 credits good for 10 tons of CO2 and you can trade those with each other and set a and set a market for it. what this yep. is, and that in my opinion from a theoretical economist standpoint actually makes more sense because you I actually agree. are capping you there's a way to cap emissions what this is doing is different this is allowing what you're saying somebody to do something that quote unquote reduces emissions. And that's where I think it's critical to talk. What does that mean, reduce emissions? Does that mean you were emitting a lot and now you've reduced it just a little bit? Well, that keeps emissions at the same level if then that quantity of emissions rolls into another firm. So that's what Stu's talking about is there's not actually a drop in emissions under this quote unquote allowances. It's just shifting the cost from your, it's basically a tax on producers, which is critical exactly. infrastructure. And what's funny is in Germany, they have like one of the oldest and most strongest industrial use. And one of the big problems they're having over there is energy costs are killing hundred year old businesses. Manufacturing plants are going out of business because they can't steel, afford the, the steel energy. plant. Biggest the steel, steel plants. Plant. Exactly. So I think this is a very interesting story because I think this is this is taking a good idea and trying to figure out how to allow the marketplace to set a price for emissions and doing it in a backwards mentality. 
Right. And I don't even like cap and trade. I think there are things in cap and trade. It can be gamed a little bit. There's the idea of game theory. You know, right. how do you how do you distribute these emissions credits evenly so that the market isn't favoring either the small people who get the same amount of allowances as the big players or a host of other issues that really game this isn't. But this isn't even this is even one step further in in fantasy land. Well, there's another uh, component of this. There's two things. You cannot have uh, ESG or compliance with these things saying that you actually reduced it without accountability. How do you get accountability? You got to have measurements, standards. You got to have all these things. None of those are in place. Uh, You need blockchain. You need the ability to measure things coming out. You need all these things and they're not in place for accountability. So sorry, I, I think it's just another way to scam money. Let's go to the next one here. And the world's countries compared by 20 key metrics. Uh, Michael, I'll let you kick off on this and tell us what you think are the most important ones right here. Well, I think first, it's basically just taking a bunch of key metrics GDP, population, population 65 plus, urban population, rural population, right. land area, fuel exports, CO2 emissions, and a bunch of other ones. But those are some of the key, key ones we pulled out right. and comparing where all these countries are. And I think obviously you got to start with GDP, Stu. We're yep. here in the good old US of A with a GDP of nearly 23 trillion. We clearly are have the largest economic output of any country in the world. China is second, but there is, if you do look at some of the projections, they yep. may or may not pass us by 2030. So- um, if we're going our current rate, they'll pass us, but they're having some serious problems as well, too. So I'm not going to put any money either way. The next one coming around the corner, Michael, you and I were just talking before the show, and that is uh, fuel exports yep. and CO2 emissions. The CO2, this one just unbelievable. You said uh, 10.7 billion tons of CO2. Is that twice what the U.S. is? Yeah. So I think, and that's another piece of the the whole emissions conversation that I think gets left out is that over the last like 15, 20 years, the United States has actually reduced its emissions, not by a lot, but I think it's like 10, 15%. Um, someone needs to fact check me on that, but we've overall in the last 10, 15 years have reduced emissions by some number. I know that for a fact. Right. Whereas China is now not only increased, they're more than double our emissions level. So we're somewhere in that 5 billion tons of CO2. They're at 10.7. And I think that's the hardest part about the whole conversation about CO2 is because we can do so much here at home and we have done so much here at home to lower emissions. And it doesn't mean jack in terms of the (laughs) overall emissions quantity, because when China pollutes there, it's all going there. So it's all in that same ecosystem. So it's you know, I, I know a lot of people know that, but it's a reminder that we have to come up with solutions that can that are going to affect a worldwide population, not just try to, right. you know, signal here and, you know, signal there. Oh, look at me. I'm cool. You know, private yeah. jets aren't the issue. Private no. jets aren't the issue. It's China coal factories. No. Yes. Uh, now, and the world is doing coal uh, at incredible rates. Uh, the other one uh, that I thought was interesting in this story, Michael, was U.S. ranks as top fuel exporter mm-hmm. with um, the UAE right behind it. Listen to this, though. According to the uh, API, 8% of totals, uh, America's total GDP is energy. Let's take a look at Russia. Russia is now 40% ballpark in there for energy exports, and they're making money hand over fist. A couple of years ago, they were only 32%. Yeah. Sanctions have helped Russia. 
They so, have helped, but it's kind of funny. 8% of the U.S. economy is bigger than 42% of the Russian economy. So just to kind of give you an idea, I'm considering we're the world's largest fuel export, but it showed you how much energy we have here, here at home and how the fact that we were ever in a, that we, that we are ever, the fact that we ever, ex- I should put it this way, experience high prices, whether it's at the gas pump or whether it's is really a crime because we have so much energy here, Stu, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, the politics have caused a real problem with the Northeast and California. Uh, so we, we'll go into those on other stories and stuff. Just, what do you got next? Okay, next story coming around the corner. It's pretty sad when I even cut my own self off. Um, let's go to the, uh, yeah, you know, oops. Okay, let's go to the uh, coal. The title of the article is uh, Black Old Deal, Global Coal demand hits all-time high. It was predicted years earlier. Michael, this is just unbelievable. The world is having to migrate from uh, renewables, from natural gas, from everything, and nuclear for several key reasons. And those several key reasons are the geopolitical in natural gas. Up in the eastern seaboard, um, they don't have enough natural gas, and they can't import the LNG from Russia, Trinidad, and and others. So they're actually on the world market. And so when you take a look at coal, they're starting to burn more coal. And our Pennsylvania coal factories are now expanding out. That's what we talked about the other day. They're what? 800% more by volume or no, it's uh, 25%. 120% by volume. Um, 800% by weight. Price. Yeah, something yeah. like that. It was some ungoodly number or godly number. So anyway, you have all of the world uh, going on. You and I talked about it a couple of years ago on our podcast. Uh, your group at the mines came up and said, wait a minute, the EIA is now pointing out that California has no more uh, coal plants, but they're using more coal. It was coke coal and it was uh, other things for uh, cement. It, it's for uh, road and all these other things. You have to use coal. So then we turn into another formula. Uh, I've, I think I found it, the episode episode. I'm going to get the transcript. I had put out there, the more we go to fossil fuels, the more, uh, the more, excuse me, the more we go to renewables, the more fossil fuels we're going to use. And I have that data. I'm going to be putting out an article on that. Happened two years ago. I mean, we were call- I was calling for it back then, and then you have provided data in your study. So uh, coal was king, uh, ine- inevitably. Boy, I can't even speak on that one. Yeah, and just to give you an idea, the IEA, the International Energy Administration, reported that coal consumption in 2022 rose by 1.2% surpassing 8 billion tons in a single year and topping the previous record set in 2013. That's a lot of coal, my friend. That's a lot of coal. Oh, yeah. In fact, I put out something like that on Twitter, uh, I think this morning or something, and uh, I got uh, flogged by a bunch of, uh, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I got facts. So I want to talk to everybody about energy. So, you know, stop on the podcast. I want to talk to you. Send all your complaints to at Stuart Turley 16 at Twitter. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I want to talk to everybody. Uh, I love talking energy. And if you want to be on the podcast, send us a note. Hey, come on over here and take. We're a- not going to let you on, but you can try uh, on mine. True. True. Um, now, point of no return. This article is pretty important. Beijing move to COVID coexistence is here to stay. Does oil demand now stay steady? Does oil hit 100? Michael, this goes right in line with the other story about the sanctions on uh, the EU because on, excuse me, on Russia, 12 new ones just came in and they may actually get, uh, I think, 2 million barrels a day of Russian oil off the market. Now, it's going to go to the dark market in the dark tankers, and China will still be buying it. But this number, Michael, when I was looking at the demand curves, demand is going through the roof. No matter what oil is shipped out from Russia to China on the dark, uh, you know what they call the dark tankers, they can't get insurance on it through the normal channels. They're going to be shipping it through those. Uh, it is still enough that they're going to be buying oil from everybody else, including uh, Canada and anywhere else they can get a tanker from. So does it hit 100? I, I'm not going to say because we don't know yet. But if they do unlock it, all of Asia is going to be needing jet fuel. They're going to be needing everything else. And this is a big one because OPEC and OPEC Plus has uh, said they're going to hold tough on pricing. I almost feel like that American Express guy or uh, Jim Carrey when he just <gasps> takes a breath and just starts talking fast and everything else. So <laughs> I'm, do you remember those? So I, I do remember that. So you don't think oil is going to hit 100 while Goldman just took you off their interview list so yeah well you know uh it's like it's like we'll keep you around here there's too many variables now 95 yeah will it hold yeah i think we may hit 100 for a, a short i'll quit throwing up on me you don't oh man now now you're like my you, grandson you might not hit 100 could hit 95 though i mean not the biggest cop out in the oh. world no, I, you didn't let me finish before you rudely interrupted the old guy. And that is, uh, I think we may hit 100, 105 for spikes. Okay. But I don't know that I can put a 100 on there for a long term. No. There's just too many geopolitical crap going on. Last I'm with you. I mean, I mean, the way the way China demand goes is really the way, in my opinion, long term oil prices go. If if Chinese oil demand comes back and continues to grow and we start seeing the the what what was expected before COVID. Yeah, I think oil prices right may not hit 100, but we're going to see a nice 85 to 95 to 95 band. I, I you know, I joke, but I'm probably with you, Stu. I think we see spikes of $100 occasionally into 2023. But right. I do think if we don't and we see 90 as the peak, I'm not going to be terribly shocked anyway, because I do think that um, specifically because countries are going to be, you know, they're, we're going to continually, there will always be production unless OPEC decides to come in and really start slashing production. But you know this, OPEC's, they're cutting, but they're not really cutting. They're cutting, they're, you you know, they're spoofing, they're doping. You know what they're doing, Stu. We've covered this too many times on oh, yeah. the show. So, do, it's just going to be. I. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a hundred. If you had to put a. If you had to put me. If you had to put me one way or the other, Stu. I don't think we'll see a hundred in twenty twenty three. But uh, I hope I'm wrong. 
Um, why do we have troops going to Ukraine with Patriot missile batteries? Those Patriot missile uh, air defense batteries do not come with a Fisher-Price manual. If we give them to Ukraine, we're going to sit there and have boots on the ground. That, okay. to me, is frightening, and you may well, see... Yes, obviously, if there's a if there's something crazy that happens in that war, obviously, I hope we just get to the negotiation table. This is crazy. What else we got? Okay, last one. LNG. I love me some LNG. I love natural gas because it is, I hate to use the word bridge, but if we are ever going to get to sustainable, no carbon, blah, 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 take Mm. care of the economy, take care of everything, um, take care of uh, the environment, we have to use nuclear and natural gas to get there. Now, the EU, this article is amazing from the Statista uh, group and the uh, LNG for import terminals is critical, Michael, because we've got to get into that mode of using natural gas in order to get to carbon net zero and uh, renewables, nuclear, all the renewables. Take a look at Spain. Uh, Spain is at six import terminals right now, and they've also got uh, new pipelines going out to other areas. So Spain's going to be making money off of their exports. Italy has got three um, import facilities. They've got three planned for next year. Mm -hmm. France has four. They have one planned for next year. Uh, Turkey has four. They have one. And it looks like Greece has one right now, and they are bringing in four. But they Greece has some other opportunities through the Leviathan field from Israel. Remember, we've covered that a bunch. I love that Leviathan field out there. They may have some pipelines coming in. Great Britain's only got three and zero planned, Michael. Zero. Um, Not good. Not good. Not good. So, um, you know, when you sit back and kind of go, LNG is going to be a great one. And when countries, uh, they are ramping faster, Michael. I got to hand it to the uh, EU and, and the countries that are doing this. And that is they spun those import terminals up very quickly. Um, and they then, did. And where's all this gas coming from, though? That's critical. It's coming from Qatar. It's coming from the Middle East and, and us, which is it's not from Russia, which is good. Right. And then uh, another article we just put out, which I think was pretty funny, was the amount of traffic still held up in Turkey because of the EU sanctions, which is causing uh, oil price d- uh, supply to uh, be cut a bit. Anyway, that's that's it for me. Let's do some finance talk there, dude. I mean, there's not much other than saying oil prices settled at 74.67 here on Friday and and natural gas was settled at about 660. Markets do look uh markets, excuse me, do look to uh a jump a little bit and the at the start um here on Friday. You know, again, from oil prices what I, what I'm looking for this week, it's it's as China goes and the overall economy goes, so will oil prices go. I think if we see a, a, right. a down week in the S&P 500, which, you know, for, for, for those who 
you know, her Jerome Powell and the Fair, uh, the Fed chair decided to go ahead and raise interest rates 50 basis points last Wednesday. But the key critical component to that was the fact that they're going to blow past their guidance of 5.1 to sort of cap. Currently, that Fed funds interest rate is tagged at uh, 4.25 to 4.5. They, they originally months ago, it said they're, they're, the goal is to stop at 5 to 5.1 and then continue to, 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 to cap it there. They, they signaled on Wednesday that they're going to move past that number. And that's really what you saw markets, you know, specifically from Wednesday on depressed because if if we do go into recession, Stu, we will see a, a, a demand drawback and pullback here at home. And if we don't see the COVID zero policies changing in China, it could be, you know, there's there, there's a case for 100. There's also a case for 55, 60, to be honest, in my case. So again, um, as the overall markets go, so will oil prices go, but we will be keying in on um, Wednesday. We have EIA comes out with their natural uh, oil storage number. So, you know, we had a 10 million barrel build last week. It was very interesting to see what happens and see if we have some numbers in line. Some analysts got some talking to um, on the natural gas side, like I said, um, <laughs> Um, on the natural gas side, on uh, as we're talking 660 right now, we will hear what the injection um, numbers come out on Thursday. And the best place to do that is on the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. But haven't heard much in the markets over the weekend, Stu. So I think we're just going to finish up here. You got anything they should be watching out for? Uh, yeah, I just like to give a shout out to Singapore and New York. They jointly are now holding the most expensive cities to live in in the world. Both have energy problems. Both have uh, interesting management. High high energy prices get high high uh, prices. So give a shout out so, to them. So I can't. Now's not the time to say I was considering trying to move this show to Singapore. I knock yourself out, baby. <laughs> You're not coming with me. We'll build a nice studio. Uh, nope. Hey, have a great day. Now, uh, maybe some other countries, though. Yeah, fair enough. Well, with that, guys, we'll let you get out of here. Start your day. Thank you for checking us out here at the Daily Energy News Beat. Stand up for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. See you tomorrow. This episode of the Energy Newsbeat podcast is brought to you by Inveris. The energy industry faces massive challenges every day, and the events over the last two years have caused huge disruptions like never before. Companies in the energy industry need actionable intelligence and a single source of truth that brings all the data together. Inveris is the energy specialized technology partner that provides intelligent connections for a global energy ecosystem. Only Inveris has the analytics, people, experience, and industry scope to connect the right data and information in the right way to discover missed opportunities and deliver fast outcomes. Find out more at Inveris.com. That's E-N-V-E-R-U-S.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.